T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one... They're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Good morning, everybody. It is a Saturday morning, excuse me, in the Delaware Valley. He's Ray Dinger. I'm Glenn Mack now. And, of course, it is a Sixers Saturday as they try to close out against the Toronto Raptors' first round of the NBA playoffs. And, Ray, it's good that we're feeling about it. Some news came over yesterday. Still uncertain exactly the extent of this, but we do know that Joel Embiid is dealing with a thumb issue. Sixers are listing him as available today. He is supposed to play. He's got a right thumb sprain, some say. Maybe more, some say. Uh, tests will be done. He, uh, he, All expectations is that he is going to play through it, manage it, and as long as they are in a run, Joel Embiid will be part of it. So the question becomes to you, Ray, how concerning is this? Well, up 3 nothing. Up 3 nothing in the series, you've got a significant margin of error here where if he's a little off his game for a game or two, it's still not critical. If, if you were dealing with this and you were down 3-1 in the series, I'd be very worried. But, you know, I think right now they're sitting in a pretty good place, and he doesn't seem too concerned, and the coach doesn't seem too concerned. So, well, I mean, everybody kind of agrees that this is going to hamper him a little bit at least in the short term, but not enough to alter the arc of the series, it wouldn't appear. I mean, the Sixers have uh, have really come into the playoffs playing much better than I expected. Well, yes, you and I, let's be honest, thought uh, we picked Toronto to win this thing in seven games, and uh, right now I'm pretty confident that's not going to happen. Love to be wrong on this one. I just want to read you. There were a series of reports yesterday from local and national reporters, people who cover the NBA, the insiders, most of them said, essentially, you know, it's something that he's going to play through and it's a sprain. Uh, Shams, who I'd be honest with you and tell you I don't trust because he is a client of Clutch Sports, which is the same thing that Ben Simmons is a client of. And so while he is a national reporter, I, I, I feel he's tainted. Mm-hmm. Nonetheless, he, his text was the most concerning one. Um, his tweet, excuse me, he said... The bigger currently unconfirmed report is that Embiid possibly has a torn ligament in his right thumb but hopes to play through it and will be and it will be about pain tolerance. Mm-hmm. Well, if he's got a torn ligament, that's a lot more serious than a sprain. And as they move on through the playoffs, which is a slog, right? I mean, you got to win four rounds. you got to win 16 games, playing every other night, every third night. It's a lot to ask if it is, in fact, a torn ligament. Right. Well, um, they were sent. They were saying they're going to MRI it, but not in Toronto. They're going to wait till they come back to Philadelphia and then determine exactly what the extent of the injury is. But he had his hand. He had his hand in a brace, and he had the thumb in a wrap. So he's obviously got some issue there. And there's you're right. There's a big difference between a sprain and a torn ligament. If it's a torn ligament, then that that's not going to go away. That's something he's going to have to manage and play with. And you don't want to have your best player, and clearly he's your best player, um, at, at less than 100% in, in the championship round. And by the way, transitioning, he still made one of the one of the best clutch, most iconic shots I have seen a big man take in the NBA in a long time with that thrilling game winner in overtime the other night. Yeah, it was. It was spectacular. Yeah, I mean, it wasn't quite Christian Leitner, but it wasn't far off. So, 
Why has this series been so much easier than we expected? I don't know. I guess maybe it, tell, it tells you the difference between regular season and postseason. You know, the, the Toronto beat them three out of four, but that the, in the NBA regular season, that may not mean exactly what you think it means. Some of it's, you know, you played them at the time you played them coming off of what? How big was the game in your eyes? How ready were you to play? Regular season, I mean, let's face it, uh, most of these teams go through it with one eye closed. Yeah, you, know? you got 82 games. It's the second night of a back-to-back. You're playing in another city. It's like, you know, it's March. You've already played 60 games. Uh, yeah, I agree with you. I thought that, you know, from a matchup standpoint, I thought that it looked like a tougher series. But, you know, it's become pretty obvious. Certainly two games in Philadelphia, it's obvious that the Sixers are a better team. Uh, and... Um, in the first two games in Philadelphia, they neutralized what we thought could be a big advantage by the Raptors by uh, not allowing them to dominate the offensive boards. That yeah. wasn't so much the case in Toronto, but right. the, but it certainly was the case in Philadelphia. Yeah, rebounded them, right. and as, and you know, and as long as they can hold their own off the glass, then they clearly are the better team because then Toronto can't get out and run and do the things that they want to do. Another surprise to me has been, I thought that Nick Nurse was going to outcoach Doc Rivers. Yeah, I think everybody did. And Nick Nurse's method of coaching so far has been mostly whining to the referees. Mm-hmm. And I'm not going to nominate Doc Rivers for any big awards yet, but he has won three games and he's done it. And I was impressed the other night when there's, what was it, 2.9 seconds to go in overtime. And this is him on the sideline. George, this is you. Danny, you're taking the ball out. On the hit. On the hit. Bam! Right when he gets past you, George, you're running out. Tobias, you're picking him, and then you're popping. Go early, Danny. All right? And it worked to a T. Yeah, just, just the way you drew it up. <laughs> it did. <laughs> Again, I'm not putting Doc in the Hall of Fame for that one play call, but when you are watching a game and they take you there and you see the coach do it and it works exactly like that and they win the game – Hey, give credit where it is. We've ripped Doc Rivers a lot this year. Yes, we have. With cause. Mm-hmm. He deserves to be praised right now. Yeah, true. Okay. True. And the other part of it is another rare NBA moment when the players actually did what the coach told them to do. <laughs> they paid attention. How many times do you see the guy diagram the play, call it out, everybody's assignment, the horn, hound, so horn sounds, the guys walk out on the floor, and then they just throw it in bounds, and they do whatever they want to do. Uh, they didn't have Scottie Pippen sulking on the bench this, there. This time, the coach draws up the play, the players go out and execute it, and you win. Gee, to, and what to, a concept. Tobias Harris with like the, the double screen was great. Okay. Want to move on to something else. We will return to all these issues. You're invited to give us a call, 215-592-9494. We got a lot. A lot in the show today, Ray. This is going to be a three-hour sprint. Right. By the way, there is so much news going on right now, we decided to hold off Tell Us Your Story this week. Mm-hmm. We didn't want to give short shrift to any of the big stories going on. Tell Us Your Story will return. Actually, not next week. It's the NFL draft. Right. The week after that, we got a couple good guests lined up. Okay, next issue. Speaking of a shocker, this week, out of, well, not out of nowhere, but out of nowhere as far as we knew, Mm-hmm. The best coach in this town decides to retire early. I want to play a little bit. This is Jay Wright yesterday talking about his decision to retire. I I started to feel um, just like I wasn't, I didn't have the edge that that I've always had, where it just, the edge always came natural to me. And I just, so I started evaluating it. You know, sometimes, you know, I, I would never have to think about anything I did. I would just go into a meeting, go into a team meeting, go into a practice, had everything set. So I started thinking, like, better get yourself fired up here. You better let, let's go. And I said, these players, we we always ask our players, um, you're either 100 percent in or you're against us. And I always thought, you know, Father and Mark, Justin Camilla, part of this process was them convincing me not to do this, trying to convince me not to do this, and they they're great. It's salesmen, intelligent people. One, one of the times they said, well, 70% of you is as good as anybody else, which I appreciated, but we could, we could never coach that way. You know, we couldn't ask the players, you got to give 100%, and I'm giving 70%. So I just knew it was, it was the right time. Ray, your thoughts? Um, 100% authentic, and I believe every word of it. Uh, <clears throat> I, you know, a lot of times in situations like this, 
people, players, coaches walk away and they have their final press conference and a lot of guys say the say say what they think they should be saying under the circumstances, but you sit there and you listen and you say, ah, you know, I don't know what I believe all that. Um, in Jay Wright's case, I believe 100% of it. I think he, um, I th- and it was clear in his, in his uh, exposition yesterday that he, um, he said that he had arrived at this decision during the course of the year, that it was something that he knew that at the end of this year, at the end of this year, I'm, I'm, I'm walking away. And uh, the only ones who knew it were uh, were his wife, his immediate family, and his uh, and the superiors at Villanova. But everybody kept the secret. Uh, he didn't want to do the farewell tour. He didn't want all of that he, stuff. And I, I want to emphasize that for a moment, okay? Right. Because to me, that is tremendously significant. All all these coaches and players, and, and listen, I don't begrudge them. No, not at all. They've earned um, it. But, you know, with Mike Krzyzewski, you had the whole year, of, oh, this is Mike Krzyzewski's last game here, and this is his last home game. And, this is, and, and he didn't want that victory lap. Right. And that is a rare, rare thing. I give him a lot of credit for it. Again, I don't begrudge a guy who does it. No, I mean, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar had the greatest one of all time, where he gave him a rocking chair at every place he went. Every... Every arena, when it was final game there, they had a night honoring him. Yeah. And they should. He was the leading scorer in the sure. game's history. But that Jay Wright wanted no part of that. He right. just wanted to, you know, excuse it, it was what John Chaney said when he was done. Excuse me while I disappear. Right. And that's how Jay did it. Um, and the other thing that really struck me in, in this regard is he's only 60. Right. Which is young for anybody to retire. And coaches don't. Retire. Coaches just keep going. Yeah, I know. And he, he, hey, you know, God bless him. I, I don't know what he plans to do. I mean, he, he certainly has the right to go and lay down on a beach and play golf all day if that's what he wants to do. Absolutely. Good for him. Enjoy his family. Um, or maybe he find you know, he says he's going to be involved with the program. I don't know. I don't know what that means. Well, I mean, he's, he's going to be. Uh, what, are, he's, what are you going to do? Yeah, he's going to be an assistant to the president. Yeah. Oh, uh, so I, 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 I. Knowing Jay a little bit, I think he understands that he has to keep his distance from the basketball. I agree, and so I, mean, I don't he's know got, what that I mean, means. Kyle Neptune can't – it's going to be hard enough to escape the shadow of Jay Wright. He can't afford to have that shadow be a real shadow every day at practice. So I think that Jay's smart enough to know that I have I have to just disappear from the basketball program. But be part of the university, be a an ambassador for the university, be a, an advisor to the president, be a presence on the campus, all that kind of stuff. It's very positive, and he could certainly do that. Um, but I, I think you're—he's really going to keep—he's really going to keep his distance. Remember, remember when John Wooden stepped down at UCLA? Um, I mean, there there was the greatest college basketball coach ever, uh, and retired, and everybody said, "Boy, what's going to be like to follow him?" Um, he maintained his office in the athletic right? building. I don't remember. And he continued to go to the games and sit behind the bench. Oh, that's not good. Who replaced him as coach? Do you remember? Um, God, I can't. I remember. don't. But it's you know we've always say replacing a legend is a really hard thing to do. Yeah, well, and it will be hard for Kyle Neptune. No question about it. No question. Now, he certainly comes in with the blessing of Jay. I mean, he, he was does. Jay's assistant, and he was obviously the guy that Jay wanted. So he comes in with the blessings of the guy going out, which is helps. But I mean, the first time they lose a home game or the first time they blow a 10 point lead in the last four minutes, you know, all of a sudden people are going to say, I don't know if this, I don't know if he's the guy. Well, here's what Kyle Lampton has to live up to. This is the last nine seasons of Jay Wright, two national titles, three final four runs, seven big East regular season titles, five big East tournament titles, 22 and 6 in NCAA tournament games. Right, amazing. 22 and 6. Uh 263 and 45 overall. 83% winning percentage and in biggest regular season games 130 and 31. I mean nobody can expect to do that. Nobody. So I I do, you know, you hope that the alums, that the people who have interest, that the fan base says, "Okay, you know, we're starting over. We got to we got to have realistic expectations and allow this guy to grow what he's got to grow his way. Things may change." So with Jay, is this a uh, a Dick Vermeil burnout without the the popping neck veins? Uh, I think so. I think so. I think it's just, you know, if you if you raise the bar as high as Jay raised it, 
you reach a point where you just say, how can I get, you, know, you raise it to a point where even you can't get over it, you know, and I, I think that that's kind of what it was. And the, the pressure that builds on you, the expectation that builds on you, the demands of it, the, the demands of the job, the time, the recruiting, the pressure, the travel, yeah. the responsibility of the kids, yeah. you know, making sure that they're making sure they're going to class, making sure everything's kind of in place. I mean, it's, they're your responsibility. And I think, I don't know that every college basketball coach feels it, but I think he did. I think he felt like he was responsible for these kids, not just as athletes, but as students and as citizens. And that's one of the great, I mean, you read off all the statistics, and we all know the statistics, how many games he won, his winning percentage, the two, all the final fours, the two championships. But the other part of it that's equally amazing, if not more amazing, was he did it all without a hit of scandal. Yes. I mean, his, I mean, his kids, by and large, graduated. There was never any misbehavior, kids getting in trouble off the campus. The graduated is a big deal. It was not a one-and-done school. No. I mean, Krzyzewski stayed successful. These kids went to Duke for a year, and then they left. Right. You go to play for Jay, you're going to play for Jay for the long term. Yeah, and even the kids who did leave early all said they were going to come back and get their degree, and they, and, and they have by and large. So, I mean, he built this tremendous winning program without the advantages that went to the bigger state schools. He did all that. And did it while running a clean program at a time when you hardly ever find those anymore. Yeah. So he made it he made it work on every front, but there's no question that it was it was a total absorption twenty four seven job that I think just finally wore him down. An amazing legacy, and I will say, and I know this is going to sound stupid and self centered and so on, but I think it's more than me. He made me a Villanova fan, mm-hmm. and I was not a Villanova fan. Yeah, I know. I mean, that. I, you know, I worked at St. Joe's, so I had my loyalty there for a long time. But I always carried the you know Raleigh Massimino grudge, break up the Big Five, that whole thing. There was the other four schools, and there was Villanova, and then it bugged me. And Jay, I, I think Jay worked. I mean, it wasn't his primary motivation, but he he knew people in town felt that way. Whenever you would hear Jay talk, he would bring in Philadelphia basketball. Always, he would talk about the Big Five, big part of coaches against cancer, the whole thing, uh, part of the fraternity, and um, ran everything that you said. And his terrific personality took people like me who didn't used to root for Villanova and made us root for Villanova. He put, he put the whole metropolitan area behind Villanova. You know, it stopped being the, the nonsense talk of like, eh, it's not a Philadelphia school. Right. That faded away. Not entirely, but it faded away. And it's because of him. Right. Uh, it, so it, the greatest it, legacy he's, 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 he's the, of anybody in this well, the Well, and the funny part is you go back, you dial the clock back 21 years to when he was hired. And when he was hired, there was a lot of, Jay Wright, Hofstra, I mean, really? I mean, this is the guy who's going to take over the program? He's going to take over Villanova? I mean, there were a lot of people that were scratching their heads saying, I don't know. And, and then he came in and merely became the greatest coach um, in, a ta- in a town that has produced many, many great college basketball coaches, Hall of Famers, worthy Hall of Famers. Um, he came in and accomplished more than any of them. Uh, and did it with with real style and uh, real grace. So, um, I was shocked when you know my wife walked into the room the other night and said, "Hey, I just saw it on online Jay Wright's resigning." I said, "What? I mean, talk about one you never saw coming." But um, you know, he did it the right way, and I hope. Uh, and you could see the emotion yesterday. How tough this was for him. Uh, I mean, how many times he choked up? Yeah, and, yeah, 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 yeah. You know, but it was. It's I good. think it was a lot it's of. Good. I think I went. I went through it with Dick Vermeil in '82. Yeah. Uh, that wasn't a surprise because I think no people saw that coming. Those that was the us, year of the, the 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 strike and everything kind of went south and Bloom was off the road. Those of us that were around Dick saw the strain that he was under, and so when that came along, it was not a a shock. This to me was a shock. Yeah. Yeah, and well, listen, they got to the Final Four and nobody got a sense of it, so yes. No. All right, one other thing. As I said, we have so much to bring up today um, in terms of Jay Wright, in terms of, I mean, the big story, the Sixers play this afternoon. We're going to talk about that a lot. We have a couple of good guests to talk about that. Uh, in terms of the NFL draft, we're going to do the Ray Edinger draft report in the next segment. I see we already have a caller who wants to talk about the draft. Andy, we'll get to you in the next segment. In terms of uh, the Phillies, in terms of everything else, I want to work just a little Eagles into the first segment. All right. And I didn't want to start it with a big, big issue. But I do want to go from the gun. Steps up. There's room in front of him. Looks deep. Zings it downfield. It's caught. Arthago Whiteside strolls in. Touchdown, Eagles. 
Joe Flacco making it happen. Now, Ray, we didn't get enough of that over the last two years. Uh, and no. I'm not referring to Flacco. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I had to find a J.J. Arthega whiteside highlight, and to be honest, it wasn't easy. Mm-hmm. But that was one. In an effort to save his disappointing career, it was announced this week that J.J. Arthega whiteside by the way, 6'2", 225, which, right. so he's not the biggest guy in the locker room, is going to be moving from wide receiver to tight end uh, and, and, and thus rekindle his burnt-out career. Ray, right. I'll ask this as openly as, as I can. Does this have even a shot in hell? Well, it depends on what your expectations are. For I mean, him to make the roster and be a contributor. I mean, are you talking on the, the Rob Gronkowski scale? Are you no. expecting this to be a, I'm talking a about, total reinvention? Uh, no, a, a contributor. Well, I think that they could. I think if you just think of him in terms of being your number two tight end uh, and a guy who's going to play on all your special teams, can he be that? Yeah, he can be that. I mean, you've already got the tight end that you're really going to throw the ball to in Dallas Goddard. So what you're talking about now is who's the two, who's the number two when you go two tight ends. Well, they Could got he, the Jack Stoll guy who didn't impress me. They got that Tyree Jackson, that six foot seven kid who sounded great until we saw him play, and then he got hurt. And then he got hurt. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, they, the coaches last summer at training camp were very excited about Jackson. Oh, yeah. But, I mean, you got to – well, I mean, he's, a, he's an intriguing package. I mean, he's 6'7", he's almost 6'8", uh, 250 pounds, but he's a quarterback who's learning how to play tight end. So he's got a long way to go before he's NFL ready. Uh, and then he finishes the year with a knee injury that who knows when he's going to recover from that. Yeah, we're, we're off the topic. My question is, is J.J. Ortega-Whiteside ever going to be worth a damn? Um, That's the official question. I uh, as depending on how you want to use him, I mean, is he is he going to is it is he going to be a revelation? That's I guess that's kind of what you're asking. Will he go? Right. Will he go to tight end and become a real significant contributor? Bring him in a third down, make some clutch catches, twenty to thirty catches over the course of the year, throw a block or two, be a contributor. Can, I, I, my vote is I would be shocked if he is. You know, I guess they'd look for mismatches or whatever. That's it. But um, uh, you seem to I, I'm. Sensing from you an affirmative, um, only because I was here to mock JJ Arthega Whiteside. Well, no, no, no. You're I, here to praise him. No, no, no. I understand where I'm setting the bar. I'm setting the bar pretty low. You're going to have to have that other tight end. Uh, and the coaches really thought that he was a good special teams player. Oh, and they like They told us how he can block. And he, he's he's a willing cover guy, so he will do a lot of the dirty work on special teams, which you need somebody to do that. Uh, and if your expectations are that the second tight end isn't going to be the focal point of the offense, that all you need for him to come in and maybe make a catch here and there and block a little bit, can he do that? Yeah, I think he can do that. Uh, is it too early to make a stupid football bet? Because I would bet he doesn't make the roster. Really? Yes. What do you want to bet? doesn't have to be dinner. It could be something smaller. That he doesn't make the roster? Yeah. That when they kick it off in September, that he's not a Philadelphia Eagle. Really? Yeah, I'll make the bet. What do you want to bet? He's not even on the practice squad. That he's not even the practice uh, squad's not on the varsity. That he's not. Okay, the bet is he's got to be on the varsity. He's got to dress. He's got to be one of the fifty-three. Yes. Opening day, that yes. he's one of your fifty-three. Yes. Wearing wearing the Kelly green. Yeah. Yeah. When you want to open wearing Kelly green. Wearing the wearing a uniform. Yeah. I think he will be. Uh, well, we got a bet. All we'll right. Figure what? Again, I don't want to. <laughs> I don't want to do a three hundred dollar dinner, but I would, I would bet you know, lunch. I, I'll bet. I'll bet. Here's what I'll bet: six cups of coffee versus six diet cokes. Fair enough. There you go. We got a deal. All right. Coming up on the show today, uh, Amy Fadul. Excuse me, mm-hmm. Leslie Goodell, Amy Fadul. I've confused them. Amy Fadul is going to join us to talk about Sixers. Mm-hmm. Uh, really interesting guest in the eleven o'clock hour. Jack McCallum, one of the great basketball writers in this country over the last 30, 40 years. And by the way, a guy who wrote a biography of Jerry West yep. is going to come on with, and by the way, a guy who once worked with Ray Dinger back in the day. Worked with me at the Philadelphia Bulletin. Is going to come on and talk with us about how realistic or not the hit HBO show Winning Time is. I have a feeling I know where Jack's coming down on this. 
<laughs> Just a wild guess. We got a great shibe this week in Philadelphia sports history that may involve Allen Iverson. We're going to take your calls on all nature of things. Uh, coming up next after the break, Ray Dinger gives his NFL draft preview. 215-592-9494. We've got room for you. Ray Dinger, Glenn Mack, now on 94 WIP. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com. After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice-cold reward. Medela is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know, the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter. and Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Port, Chicago, Illinois. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Hey, Dinger, Glenn Mack now. We are now a mere five days away from the... Wait, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. Five days away from the NFL draft, which means... It's time for the Ray Dinger NFL Draft Preview. Ray, can I actually start it by asking you a question to set it up? Go right ahead. All right, so I've been reading all the draft stuff, uh, and I would love to see the Eagles focus on defense. And uh, two guys who I respect both kind of wrote the same thing in the last week. Uh, Daniel Jeremiah, who I believe you respect, Zach Berman, the athletic, who's good. Mm-hmm. But both more or less said, if everything falls perfectly for the Eagles, if it all falls the Eagles' way, the dream pick would be Kyle Hamilton, Notre Dame safety. Mm-hmm. To which I thought, oh. Oh, you like that? Oh, gosh, yes. Mm-hmm. Yes. Possible? Are sure. these are they dreaming? Zach Berman uh, driving over to New Jersey for the marijuana dispensary? No, 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 no. It's, he may live in Jersey. I don't know. No, it is possible. It is possible. I wouldn't say that it's likely, mm. but possible. Um, and this this ties in very nicely with the position I was going to talk about today. Because today I was going to talk about safeties. I mean, last Sweet. week, last week we talked cornerbacks. Uh, so this week I was going to talk about safeties, and then the Kyle Hamilton conversation begins. Um, for the folks who don't know who Kyle Hamilton is. Uh, he's a safety uh, from Notre Dame, um, and he's six feet four, and he's two hundred twenty pounds, which is unusually big for a safety, but uh, has really terrific skills. I mean, a really, really unique kind of unicorn player back there. You just don't see safeties who have his kind of size and his kind of range and his kind of instinct. But he's got the full package right now, and there are a lot of people. Oh, I would say at the end of the college football season, that were projecting Kyle Hamilton as a top three pick. I mean, they were putting him in, and he was going to go not just in the first round, but in the top three or four. Um, but as often happens, you know, you get into your testing, and the guys get out their stopwatches, and then all of a sudden, oh, geez, I thought he was going to run a four-four-five. Now he's running a four-six. Uh oh. And then the word starts getting out, and the guy starts to drop, and he drops a little bit, then he drops a little bit more, and he drops a little bit more. And now, now who knows how it's going to play out next week, but, but based on some conversations that I have had with some people who are in the personnel business, they think it's entirely possible that Kyle Hamilton will fall out of the top 10, uh, which would put him in 11, 12, which would put him within reach yeah. of the Eagles. Now, I don't, I don't think... If you're, I don't think you can sit there at 15 and expect him to fall into your lap. But if he falls out of the top 10, Howie Roseman would be in a position where he could package their number one and maybe one of their two third-round picks mm-hmm. and move up four spots. 
and have a shot at picking a guy who is, number one, clearly the best safety in this draft. There's not even any question about that. And a guy that not all that long ago was being talked about as a top three pick overall. Yes, and answer your question, the Jeremiah-Zach Berman scenario is possible. And, Ray, correct me if I'm wrong, safety not currently a strength of this franchise. Uh, no. No, at the moment, by my reckoning, by at, right now they have one. You know, they've got Anthony Harris, who's the guy they signed who's, last year. It's not great. Who, you know, came in last year and uh, was frankly underwhelming. You know, he wasn't terrible, but he certainly wasn't a difference-making player. They've let Rodney McLeod go. Um, you know, and they've got a couple of other guys that are just kind of there, but they aren't guys that you want to go into the season and feel good about. So if you have a chance to make a trade up for a couple of spots and get a Kyle Hamilton – I think that would be uh, I think that would be pretty pretty shrewd, and I also think it could very well happen. Nice. All right. Short of that, other safeties to look at. Okay, other safeties to look at. Uh, my top five. My number two guy is Lewis Seen. Uh, <laughs> you're gonna you're gonna roll your eyes when I tell you this. He plays at the University of Georgia. I mean, how many? Oh, Georgia, there you go. How many? How many Georgia guys have I talked about? All on defense, by the way. Uh, but he was the best safety on the Georgia team. Uh, he was actually the leading tackler on the Georgia team. Six one, two hundred pounds, ran a four four nine, can really move it. Uh, good solid tackler, um, and probably the most physical of all the safeties in this draft. If you're looking at a guy that's going to come up and really stick a guy with the with the with the football, a guy that's going to be a guy that's going to discourage receivers from coming over the middle. Lewis Seen is your guy. Um, the next guy is a Penn Stater, uh, and it's Jaquan Brisker, who 6'1", ran a 4'5". Um, another solid player, very good at getting off blocks, very good form wrap-up, take him to the ground tackler. Uh, I think he's more of a zone player than opposed than, say, a one-on-one man-to-man player. I think he has some limitations in coverage, so this would fall into the lap of your defensive coordinator that if you want to play a lot of zone and you want to play your safeties in the box and not give them a whole lot of man-to-man coverage responsibilities, I think Jaquan Brisker would be a good fit for you. Uh, Jalen Petrie is my number four from Baylor. Um, a guy is six feet tall, 195 pounds, very fast, 4-4. He's more of a ball hawk, take the ball away kind of guy. If you're looking for a guy who's just a good, solid tackler, sort of an in-the-box safety, Brisker is probably be more your taste. If you're looking for a guy who's going to play center field and get you some interceptions and get you some takeaways, uh, Jalen Petrie is probably that guy. Mm-hmm. And my number five guy is, and another really good player, is is Dexton Hill. Uh, same sort of size, 6 feet, 190 pounds, also 4-4 speed. Probably the best pure cover guy. He went to the University of Michigan. If you're looking, and again, this comes down to how you want to use your safeties. If you want to look for a safety who's who is scheme versatile, in other words, a guy that can play deep, a guy who can play in the box, but can also, if a team goes to a spread formation, move up and play man-for-man on, say, a slot receiver. Daxton Hill has that kind of one-on-one cover ability. He could actually probably be – he actually be, be a, a play a little corner if you needed him. He could play in the slot if you needed him. Uh, he also can blitz off the edge. He's got some versatility to him, but more of a cover guy than a hitter. But clearly, I mean, I mean clearly, the class of this group is Kyle Hamilton from Notre Dame. Nice. Like it. We will do more tomorrow. I would love to see the Eagles get one of those guys. All right, let's go to Andy, who's been hanging. He's got a draft question. Andy, what's on your mind today? Uh, good morning, fellas. Always a pleasure. Always a pleasure, man. Thank good you. talking to you guys. Hey, um, Ray, we talked about a couple of weeks ago. We talked about, in a, in a perfect world, the three picks. We definitely would use them on defense. Now, <laughs> we're down to the two, and we agree that uh, – Safety, edge rusher, and linebacker would be our priority. Mm-hmm. Now, my question to you is, and I'm going to hang out, I want to try to be as fast as I can to see your opinion on this. Would there be any chance, besides Kyle Hamilton, which, hey, remember Don Burrows? Remember the Blade Ray, six foot four? Oh, I'm sure. I have a six foot four safety, man. Oh, dude, I would love to have him, but I don't know. According to other sources, they said they might trade up to get Jordan Davis. Now, we talked about him, and we said, without a doubt, would we grab him? As an interior lineman, because he has so many facets again with him, he can rush the passer, he can shut the run down. Now, Travis Jones, he's a, he's a run stuffer. We talked about him. Now, his stock has moved up a little bit with Avante Wyatt. But my question to you is, would you do the Jordan Davis, and would you try to get for the second round 
Devin Lloyd, because I would hate to see Devin Lloyd go to the Cowboys and pair up with Parsons. That that would be pretty uh, tragic right there. Would you do the Jordan Davis and Trav- and Devin Lloyd, or would you do the uh, Jordan Davis and the Kobe Dean if that's what we the situation right. would have in right. hand? All right, well, you're thinking uh, you've really locked in on two positions here. You've locked in on, on uh, defensive tackle and uh, linebacker. Um, I really like Jordan Davis. Uh, I, I don't know. There's a real um, – there, there are very different opinions on Jordan Davis. Yeah, did you see uh, – what's his name? Cosell? Greg Cosell? Uh, no. Said, uh, he was on with our pal Ross Tucker and said he doesn't, he doesn't move people. Well, yeah, but nobody moves him either. <laughs> I'm merely quoting the guy, Ray. He's um, uh, he would not be. That doesn't surprise me. Jordan Davis would not be a Greg Cosell kind of player. Uh, I think that, and I've and I've heard that from, and it's not just Greg. I mean, I've heard from some other people too. Is that they question a lot of people question the value of drafting defensive tackles. Um, because everybody's thinking in terms of pass rush, and they don't think that you're going to get pass rush from interior linemen. Everybody, that's why everybody wants to load up on the edge guys. And look, you've got a lot of good edge guys in this draft. I understand that. But I think that I think people kind of look at Jordan Davis and, and characterize him as, a, as Haloti Nada, and he's, he's a lot more athletic and a lot quicker off the ball than Nada is, which I think, to me, translates into pa- interior pass rush. Is he going to be, you know, is he going to be Aaron Donald? No, I don't think he's going to be that. But for the people who suggest that, well, you're not going to get any pass rush from him and that he's a guy that every time you go to your nickel coverage, he's going to have to come off the field, uh, I don't think that's true. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I think that he's a good enough athlete, and if you watched enough film of him, I mean, my goodness, how many 350-pound guys do you see running sideline to sideline making tackles? Yeah, I'm good with him. I mean, I, he, can I, do, he can do all that stuff. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, I don't – there are some people that are very, very high on him. I'm kind of in that camp. And then there are other people that are just say, oh, he's just another big guy. Um, and I honestly don't know where the Eagles fall in this. But to me, if you put him on the Eagles defensive line in a rotation with Hargrave and Cox, I think that you're a team that's going to be pretty formidable on the defensive line. Works for me. Our friend Linda Inbala is with us. What's up, our friend Linda Inbala? Two of my favorite fellas, Mr. Uh, Didinger, Leticia, and Ramona Bulldog were here to see everyone yesterday. Uh-huh. And when I told them, because they're both rescue pups, of and I told them I was going to speak to you, they slobbered all over the new rug downstairs. <laughs> I just wanted you to know yeah, that they people were often, celebrating yeah, and everything. People often do that when they hear my name. Yeah, so, uh, so that's, that's, yeah, they slobber all over the rugs. Yeah, that's that's not uncommon, Linda. <laughs> um, Mr. Uh, McNeil, happy birthday. Dear. Oh, thank you, you so much. I'm going to let you get away with not I, saying anything. Well, listen, I, you sent me a card, which I appreciate very much, and I, and I thank you so much for this. Two short things. Uh, my Phillies renewed hope. Uh, my Sixers hair raising. One last thing. Uh, or did he please? Mm. I don't care what the Eggles do. None of these short little speedy guys. I want a monster. Oh. Okay? Uh, a huge monster like Lurch. Uh, <laughs> Ted Hendricks in this I draft, Ray? I love you. I'll see you later. Hi, Lynn. We love you. <laughs> that, would be, that would work. That was, um, uh, what do you call it? Our favorite uh, uh, longest yard, wasn't there? The, the character. Oh yeah, 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 right? yeah, yeah. I forget the name of the actor, but he was he was the huge, huge guy. Yes, yeah. Richard um, Keel. Richard Keel. That's it. Yeah, and he was he yeah, he played the uh, right. He played the big, massive guy in the middle of the defensive right. line. That's what Linda wants for the Eagles. That's good. I mean, well, Jordan Davis certainly fits the bill. Yeah, two on five, five nine two nine four ninety four. We'll get a little Phillies. Into the conversation we get back. Ray and Glenn on 94 WIP. Oxberger bent at the waist, looks in for the sign. Now ready. Here's the 2-2 pitch. Swung on, ground ball right side. It's through. Base hit. Harper scores. Castellanos coming around third. The throw from right is late. And Alec Bohm has put the Phillies on top with a two-run single here in the bottom of the eighth inning. All right, Ray, we've learned a couple of things. One, all right, the Phillies aren't going to go 162-0. and 
Uh, that's already been established. That's been established. A little bit of a rough start. Coming back. The only thing that concerns me, and again, it's, it is April 23rd, so nothing concerns me, except the Mets keep winning. Yes. Right? The, the Braves are losing. The Marlins, other than beating the Phillies, aren't doing anything. No. But the Mets are winning. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't want the Mets to get off to you know an eight-game lead, and then you got to be chasing them all summer. Yeah, I, what is it today? A couple of days ago, there was up to five games. I mean, that, that they were up. I believe the Mets are nine and four, maybe the Phillies are seven and eight. So that's five. Then that's five. Okay, yeah. that that was where it was four the last half, time I saw. Yeah, half. you're right. You don't want them to run away and hide. Right. Okay. Um, but what you heard uh, on that highlight was the game-winning RBI last night, bottom of the eighth inning. As I'm driving home from my son's house, last day of Passover, Alex and Nathan, phenomenal Seder. Uh, anyway, we're driving home. I turn on the guys, and there's Scott Fransky. As the Phillies are down 2-1, to one, load up the bases, and Boehm drives in two runs. Mm-hmm. He is now hitting 440 with an on-base of 455, a slugging percentage of 640. Uh, he also, Ray, as you are well aware, having given him the nickname of the corner butcher, mm-hmm. one of two, can't field. Correct. But he hits. Yes. What do you do? Well, um, you got to keep him in the lineup. Um, you just got to figure out where to put him. You know, I thought that last year, um, last year he didn't hit or field. Correct. <laughs> and and people pretty much wanted to wash their hands of him all together. And I, as as much as I, I kind of avert my eyes when he's playing third base, but I I really I was not prepared to give up on him as an offensive player because I think that what we saw the first year was legit. I think he can swing the bat. Um, so yeah, I think, you know, I think he's got value. I think he's a guy that can, uh, fit nicely into your, into your lineup. You just got to find a position for him because it's not third base. No, but it looks like they're going, it looks like they're determined to keep putting them out there. Well, because you got Hoskins at first, who's, I mean, not after a great start, he's after a decent start. And you know, when Hoskins starts hitting home runs in bunches, Hoskins is a good, Yeah, he's hot, cold. He's cold right now. I mean, he's striking out a ton. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I mean, he's still. I, I think his OPS is like seven fifty. He's not. He's not disastrous at this point. But he's not doing what you know he can do. As we've said many times, they have too many guys who play the same positions. And now Harper's got the uh, elbow thing, so he's DH. So he's purely a DH. So you got Castellanos and Schwarber both out in the outfield. Uh, I don't have a good answer. And by the way, Camargo looks. I'm not saying Camargo is going to be a, a everyday player, let alone. A good one, but I think he's he looks like a nice, valuable guy to pick up. Yeah, but he's not a shortstop. You know? No, and I that's know. where they're playing him because I they know. don't have a shortstop right now. I mean, they're a, they're a weird defensive team. They have a whole bunch of guys playing out of position. Yes, although defense is not what's cost them games by and large. Ironically, no, no, it's, it's cost them a couple along the way, but not not a not a ton. But yeah, I mean, they're they got a whole bunch of guys that play in positions that they shouldn't be playing. I, I you know, to me, Bohm is. He's a first baseman or a DH. I, he's not. So, he's, he's not a third baseman. So the answer is they got to make a trade at some point this season and say, "Hey, you know what? We can get a number three starting pitcher for Reese Hoskins or for Alec Bohm, and then therefore you solve the problem of too many guys at that end of the defensive spectrum, and you get something good in return." Right. Yeah, that's what I think. I kind of think that's where this is headed. Yeah. Okay. And by the way, one other thing on the Phillies. I was so unhappy to see Odubel Herrera back. Well, you knew it was coming. I, I, I knew it was coming. I was, I was in a pleasant denial. Mm. Well, I mean, if Mickey Moniak, I was ignoring it. If Mickey Moniak hadn't been hit by the pitch, you know, we might not be here right now. But the fact is, he's out for a few more weeks, and they needed somebody to play center field. Yeah, I know. I. Could, yeah. I, I don't. I don't like him as a guy, and I don't like him as a player. The, you know, it's like no. there's, there's nothing redeeming about Odubel Herrera. No, and I, you know, I, I don't dumb. Think, I don't think a whole lot of people expected to see him back in the picture this year. I think they kind of thought yeah. at the end of last year, okay, we're that's the end of him. We can certainly do better. You would hope you could do better, but now he's back, and right now you don't have a whole lot of answers in center field. So yeah, Odubel Herrera is back in all of our lives. Mm-hmm. Mm, it's not going to go well. No. All right, let us talk to Scott in Florida. He's got some thoughts on the NFL draft. Scott, what do you got? Well, good morning. Uh, actually, I called Howard. I got to say quickly, um, he said uh, greatest event in Philadelphia. Wait, you called Howard today? 
Yeah, but I, I was pushed over to you, which is even better. Okay. It's twice as good, okay? <laughs> but the event in Philadelphia, okay. the historic event in Philadelphia would be the ringing of the Liberty Bell. Okay. Nothing can I, beat I, I have no idea what that refers to, but please give us something that's relevant to our show. Okay, now now I've got a pre a very important pre draft trade. Okay. Yeah. We're gonna we're gonna trade Harry Roseman to WIP for Ray Dinninger. All right. Well, <laughs> next time you call, see if okay, Howard can get you on by the end of his show. I think that would be better for all of us. I think that's a better fit. You think? I don't think that the Roseman. Now he's not that good in the radio. I've heard. I don't think that. Do I don't think. Yeah, I don't think the Roseman for Dittinger transaction is going to happen. <laughs> As I said, I've done a show with Howie Roseman. Ray, I'll take you. Really? Selfishly, I'd rather you be here. Than oh, that's right. Was. He did a he, one whole season. He did a Monday. Oh, more than more a, than one. Yeah. Ask the GM show. Yeah, right? Yeah. Yeah. Was he? They did, and they did it live from Chickies. Yeah. They? Oh, yeah. So Howie would uh, come over from the office and you know how many sound rub elbows with the, uh, with, with the with the unwashed masses. Oh, and 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 listen, I like Howie. I think Howie gets a bum rap sometimes, and I think some people are biased against Howie because he he doesn't have that big deep voice, and he's not six foot four, and thus in many people's mind, he's not a football guy, right? Correct. Correct. Okay. That's that's the that's the ubiquitous term. Right, but he did not always guy. help himself when we're doing the show, and he and he somebody say like, "Hey, Howie, what about this?" Go like, "Hey, far out, man." Mm-hmm. And we got all these sound drops that we used for like three or four years. Hundred percent, man. That was hundred percent, man. There you go. There you go. <laughs> Certain quotes will just live forever. Again, that's one of them. I like Howie. Yeah, I do too. I don't want to do the show with him. No, no, <laughs> do the show with you. It's a, oh, you know, there's probably, um, it, you're, you're probably ill-advised for a general manager to do a radio show. You know, let the coaches do it, let the players do it. Yeah, because he's got to lie too. Yeah, the GM is 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 really it, it, the GM in the NFL is really one of those better to be seen and not heard. Well, let me ask you kind this. of roles, okay? Because we don't do a lot of those these days. What we do more now is the Monday, the day after call to Angelo, right? Right, uh, and and Girardi did. We don't have it this year, but we had the Girardi thing with the Gabe Kapler thing with Angelo. Oh, that was something special. Uh, and we've done those kind of shows before, <laughs> right? Yeah, we haven't done a coach's show in a while, but those things go back in history on stations all the all the time, right? Sure. How many of those were ever any good? No, none. Right, none. Was there ever a coach from your experience? The buddy one, the buddy TV. Yeah, the show buddy was one. Pretty, that was fun because he Bud, didn't care. Because Buddy just didn't care. Yeah, yeah. Buddy just Buddy would just say whatever he wanted to right. say. He'd rip guys. Yeah, I mean most most coaches and even players, you know, they know what they can say and what they can't say. They're not going to. You're not going to get them to rip anybody. You're not going to get them to say, talk badly about the team that they're going to play. You're not going to get them to, after a bad loss, tell you who screwed up. You know they're going to they're going to cover 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 cover. You know they're going to double talk, circle back, all right. that kind of stuff. Nor do they want to provide so-called bulletin board material for the other team, so they'll give you the you know the the Lou Holtz like oh we're really nervous about playing Navy. It's like, right, come on. Right. You know the so, worst of all those was yep. the Andy Reid one. Yeah, that was the worst of the worst, and and only would take questions that were pre-screened for content. Yeah, well, Marion Campbell did the same thing. Is that right? When Marion was the head coach, yeah, and I. I was guest on that show one time, and I came in, and uh, they and the producer said to me, "Okay, here are the questions." And he and I said, "Wait a minute, people aren't going to call in." He said, "Well, they're going to make it sound like they're calling." Yeah, in, well, but yeah. they're actually on tape because uh-huh. Marion wanted to be able to pre-screen the questions that are being asked him. Said, well, that's no fun. Yeah, but that was but, Andy. But as you pointed out, correctly pointed out, that buddy. Just didn't care. Right. I mean, Buddy just didn't flat that out didn't care. That guy's a waste of a uniform on our team, and we may move on. Yeah, and, uh, you know, uh, who the hell are the Cowboys? We beat them all Love the time. Anyway. I mean, he didn't care. First story I ever covered for the Inquirer, ever, when I joined, is they sent me to Ribbit to, to cover Steve <laughs> Fredericks doing the Buddy Ryan show. Oh, yeah, I remember. That was my introduction. And uh, Buddy was, was new, right? And there was a woman there wearing a T-shirt that said, my favorite teams are the Eagles and whoever beats the Dallas Cowboys. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it was a very snug T-shirt. And okay. she wore it well. 
Buddy would have liked that. Oh, yeah. And she's jumping up and down, and Buddy sees it and goes like, that's right. That's right. That's, that's right. And and he was just kind of, I got the sense, like, learning why he, you know, what, like how this was a big deal. Right. And learning how to play it. Right. He'd and so- he did. And he and Steve, by the way, that was a fun show. They had a good relationship. Him and Steve? Yeah. Oh, yeah. When, yeah. when Steve got uh, cancer- and was in the ho- or had a heart attack. Excuse me. Steve had a heart attack, and was in the hospital. Buddy came to visit him, mm-hmm. and then Buddy said, "What can I do for you?" And then for the next week, Buddy Ryan drove to Steve's house in Havertown and walked his dog. Really? How about that? That's pretty good. Yeah, I got to get this call in before the top of the hour. It's an old friend, and I hope he's feeling well. Mitchie Tools, how are you feeling, Mitch? I'm doing good. Hey, good. Hi, Ray. How you doing? Hello, Mitch. Nice to hear from you again. I think it's the last time I talked to you. Sopranos was on HBO. It's been a while. <laughs> I think I think you're right. Yeah, it's been a while. You know, uh, you know me with with sports. I'll talk a little bit, but then there's a couple little other things. Uh, I mean, the Phillies. It's too early to to talk about them, you know. But the Eagles. We do need defense, defense, defense. You know, like an Andre the Giant kind of guy. We need somebody to. You know, stop the run. And all first, that we got of. Lurch, and now we've got Andre the Giant. Ray, this is a hell of a defense. <laughs> yeah, really, yeah. God bless. Um, I have what well, you know me with with you know with movies and TVs. I have something on Netflix. Have you guys ever seen Bloodline? Oh, love it. Oh yeah, that, that is great. I'm, sometimes I'm I'm slow on the draw, but this is no. Yeah, it's a couple of years old, but the first two seasons of that. I don't know if it went more than two, but the first two seasons of that were very good show. It's fantastic. Uh, but, you know, and the Sixers later this afternoon, I I feel really confident they'll they'll wrap it up today. So on to uh, Florida, Mitch. Be well. Nice yes. to hear from you. We got to take a break. Coming up this week in Philadelphia sports history, presented by Shive Sports, Ray and Glenn on ninety four WIP. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. vehicle's engine with a full synthetic oil change and save with Mobile One at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Purchase five quarts of Mobile One full synthetic motor oil and receive a $10 O'Reilly gift card after rebate. See store for details. With your Mobile One purchase, you'll also receive two times points during Old Rewards Bonus Points Month at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.